Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, another episode of Just a Bit Outside. As you can see, I am solo for the most part. Uh, Quiggs is at the Orioles game, and Johnny Buckets is away on work trip with his wife on his way home. So hopefully we'll be back for next week. We can give you another good show. But I got a good one in store for you today. I do have a special guest with me. We know him as DJ Hollywood from our trivia, but this is Hollywood Rob Fogelman. Rob, how's it going, buddy? Thanks for joining hey. me. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. I'm excited uh, to be on this fine podcast to talk some baseball. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, this he's not like the rest of us. He's a Red Sox fan and not a Phillies fan, so um, it's okay. You're not a Reds fan, and I like to – you'll notice I'll uh, – take shots at the reds every chance i get so well it's it's finally uh, nice that you've elevated your uh guest clientele you know what yeah. i mean like you know team being a fan of a team that's uh, won the most world series this century uh you know brings a little class to your show yeah well i mean i got to see at least one in the last 20 years so i can't complain <laughs> yeah the previous one was before you were born so yeah, you're, you're not you're not wrong <laughs> Well, it's nice, you know, when you finally get off the schneid and you get that title. I mean, uh, I'm in the National League. I'm a Pirates fan, and their last title was 79, and I'm 50 years old. I doubt I will be seeing a Pirates championship in my lifetime again. Uh, I don't know if anybody's going to be seeing a Pirates championship anytime soon, even in my lifetime at this point. Well, um, we could do 20 podcasts about what's wrong about the Pirates. but <laughs> You're not wrong. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know uh, – I know a little bit about you, but the rest of the world doesn't. I know Ooh. you're an avid, like uh, you're an avid card dealer for baseball. So tell us how you got into that a little bit. Well, just a little bit of my background is uh, I've been a lifelong Red Sox fan, and I used to own a bar in Harrisburg called Garrison's Tavern. I was a lifelong bartender and then bar owner. Fortunately, that didn't work out, and I moved on. I, I, I had various jobs, including working for the state and uh, running Shield Driving School and Testing Center. And during the pandemic, uh, I was sitting at home watching YouTubes. We got shut down in March of 2020. I couldn't do any of my trivia gigs. I couldn't do my normal day-to-day -day job. And uh, I was watching all these videos on YouTubes about baseball cards. And it seemed like it became a thing. And in 2016, I had been contacted by a high school friend. She was like, uh, my, father, uh, my friend's father uh, passed away who owned a baseball card shop in Hummelstown, Pennsylvania, called Charlie's Collector's Corner, which was my childhood baseball card shop. And at the time I, I was financially unable or interested in getting back into baseball cards. Well, I'm watching all the stuff about baseball cards during the pandemic. And I called her up. I'm like, does she still have all these cards? And she was like, yes, she does. And I was like, you know, that's how I got into it. And I started going to these, she had like six giant storage units full of cards. And I just started buying a lot of stuff. A lot of it was mostly uh junk wax era stuff from like the eighties and early nineties. But uh, the market is still strong. I, I still sell a lot of stuff on eBay. And, uh, you know, it really changed my uh, financial fortune round. Now, I personally like to collect older stuff. Like, I try and grab, like, you know, I'm not rich, but I grab a lot of low-end, like Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, Sandy Koufax, cards from the, you know, the the golden age of baseball from the 50s and 60s. That's what kind of interests me, as well as uh, a lot of the 80s stuff. I'm a big uh, Jim Rice fan, obviously a Boston Red Sox fan, but... I also really enjoy players like Robin Yount and George Brett, you know, any kind of stars from my era. That was my childhood in the 70s and 80s. So I collect a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm a little out of control. I just uh, <laughs> got one. I play in all these gambling groups. I won a Carl Strumsky baseball, autograph baseball, and a Robin Yount baseball this week, which I'm getting in the mail. Nice. But I'm just like, I'm going to have it's going to look, my house is going to look like the Baseball Hall of Fame here soon. Yeah. So I can tell you, I have a. Not me personally, but my father has an extensive baseball collection. And actually, there's a few, and I know you'll appreciate this a little bit. So uh, over the years, Harrisburg Senators have always had some sort of special guest. And somewhere in this card collection that we have, I was fortunate enough to go and get a baseball card signed by Tug McGraw. So that's right awesome. Before, right before he passed away. Then I got one of Dallas Green as well. So. I like baseball cards too. I just don't have that extensive of a collection. I'm sure whenever it's my father's time, I may end up with them, but who knows? So, well, my house looks like a baseball card show through baseball card shop threw up. 
Uh, if I ever get back into dating, uh, a woman that comes over to my house is going to be like, oh, my God, I'm dating a 13-year-old boy. And uh, <laughs> you'll probably, like, run out the door. Eh. If she can't accept your baseball collection, then I guess it's see ya. <laughs> you know, baseball cards and comic book movies, that's basically my life. Um, you know, but, hey, you know, it's what I've learned about life is it's about just being happy. And for a long time, I personally wasn't happy and I'm just doing things that I enjoy. And that's what everyone's got to do is just do things that you enjoy as long as it's not like drugs or murdering people. Well, I can tell you, this is one of the things I enjoy and I love definitely having guests on and I'm glad you're here to join me this week. So we're going to get into a little bit of some normal talk here and then we'll get into what I consider a cool segment. We'll get to talk about both our teams and, how awesome they're doing, but real quick, Sunday slate, everybody at the bottom, they can see what's going on. My Phillies are looking for their first ever, or first five-game sweep on a team, and since in like 21 years, I believe, I think the Red Sox are at home. Yep, against the Cardinals, I saw a lot yesterday, they honored uh, Albert Pujols with David Ortiz bringing out the number five from the monster to present to... uh, Pooh holes, which was pretty cool. And then the Cardinals promptly put up like a five spot in like the uh, fifth inning. You know, they you know, they destroyed us last night, but it's all about winning series. So hopefully we can win it today. Yeah. I, the Phillies have been on a pretty good streak and we're going to talk about that here in a, in a couple minutes. Um, yeah. I, I was actually quite impressed. I was glad to see as a, baseball fan what the Red Sox did for Albert Pujols since this is Pujols' last year in baseball. The fact that Big Poppy was involved made it even better. Um, it's hard to hate that guy as much as I can sit here and talk smack on the Red Sox as, and I would love to talk smack on the Red Sox. Big Poppy was probably one of my favorite hitters in baseball so kudos to the Red Sox, kudos to Big Poppy. He's just clutch. I mean I'll be honest uh you know why I hated him for a long time. I mean, you can see some similarities between what Bryce Harper is starting to do for the Phillies as compared to what Big Poppy started to do for the Red Sox in like 20, I'm sorry, 2003, 2004 era, you know, when he started getting his groove. Now, Harper's more of an established player, but Harper's really been clutch for the Phillies over the last two years. And while I'm a Harper hater, like his uh, MVP award last year was – Definitely justified. Yeah, he's definitely on pace probably for another one this year if he can keep hitting. Um, I guess, unfortunately, the I don't know if the Reds play today or not. Oh, they do. They play against the Brewers. So I'm going to take my shot at the Reds now. They'll probably lose by like 20 today. So uh, I'll be honest. The Reds uh, uh, over in the month of May weren't that bad. I mean, if you check out the standings, like they are real, right up against the Cubs and the Pirates for getting out of the basement in that division. Like – it's uh they they made it they had a horrible start but their injury problems were astronomical like it was crazy but they just got back Jonathan India and Mike Mustakas I mean they should start playing better overall as a team until well, they trade Luis Castillo. Uh, so Tim asked you a question if you want to answer this one will cards eventually turn into NFTs? Do you think so? They are they have NFTs. I have not dabbled in that market. Um, I don't really do anything with NFTs because it's kind of like crypto. I'm still skeptical about what the tangible value of owning things that you can't actually possess. But then I'm old, but there are, I'm sure there are a lot of like 21-year-olds, 15-year-olds who, who are all about it. I, uh, I just don't understand the appeal of it, but there are definitely some that are valuable out there. Uh, Dan Stevens, who's one of the owners of BW Sports One, he says, Big Poppy is this generation's big hurt. Absolutely. And he also says, correct to you about your about what you just said. So Dan's a good guy. He's a Reds fan, though. So he's, he's okay. Hang in there, Dan. Hang in there. <laughs> Better days are ahead of you. Um, you know, when you trade Luis Castillo, you're going to get a bundle of prospects. You know, they just keep that's, you know, you just got to turn over your farm system. I mean, Cincinnati playing in a, not a large market. They went for it last year, you know, bringing in, they had Castellanos and other guys. Uh, fortunately, you had to trade them, you know, because you can't sustain that large payroll.
for very long. You know, at least she tried, whereas the Pirates yeah. haven't tried in 25, 30 years. Yeah, team that has all that money and they still don't want to spend it. So they let, they, every time they get a superstar, they let the they let the players go. So it's a well, shame. Maybe, it's a shame. One of the best five ballparks in baseball, but they can't fill it because they the owner refuses to spend money. Whether, you know, it, they just change his hands all the time. I was real hopeful with uh, Ben Charrington becoming the GM. I mean, he got the Red Sox their World Series title in 2013. He's the guy responsible for drafting Xander Bogarts and Mookie Betts. Uh, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I have a lot of faith in Charrington. He kind of got a raw deal at the end of his Red Sox tenure. Yeah, well, like you said, when the owner doesn't want to spend money, then there's nothing else you can really do. I was there with the Phillies there for a while. I didn't know if they would spend money, and then this offseason they go out and spend over $200 million on their bats and still have a bullpen problem. So it's if you're willing to spend the money, you're willing to spend it. I feel sorry for the Pirates fans. I wish they would do uh, – they, they deserve better than what they get, so – they definitely deserve better. All right. We'll, we'll get into it. The Phillies are absolutely on fire right now in the month of June. The Red Sox building themselves out from the bottom of the basement. Two teams at one point below 500. Phillies get rid of Joe Girardi. I called it weeks ago or, or at, towards one of the earlier shows. I said a Girardi won't even make it to the All-Star break. They got rid of him. They're now 15-2 and two in the month of June and five games over 500. The Red Sox now are four games over 500, slowly craw- or clawing their way out of the bottom of the league. So pretty impressive for both teams right now, I'm not going to lie. Both are playing some really good baseball other than the Red Sox last night against the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, uh, both teams, uh, I, I say this all the time, are mirror images of each other. Like, you could literally dissect them and uh, the way they started, the way they've been playing lately, uh, both offense-heavily driven team with a couple of good starting pitchers uh, and terrible bullpens. Uh, you know, the Phillies now, I guess, are turning to Sir Anthony uh, Dominguez. Uh, Dominguez, yeah, to, uh, you know, to take over the closer's role. I mean, it's just a rotating door. I wish the, the Red Sox bullpen was even as good as the Phillies bullpen Cause it's a mess. I, I literally, Matt, I'm thinking about sending you up to Boston to pitch relief because it's just a, like, I don't know if you can curse on the show, but it's a crap okay. show. You know, it's a, it's a shit show. I mean, uh, I'm aging, you know, before, you know, before my years, uh, you know, just so terrible. But if you look at both teams from the records to the way their lineups are constructed, um, very similar teams, uh, I hope that uh, both teams are able to pull it off. I'd love to see a Phillies Red Sox World Series someday. Yeah, that, that'd be great. Just so just for the record, for how bad both teams' bullpens really are, Red Sox at seventh and Team ERA at three sixty four. The Phillies sit twelfth at three eighty two. The number one team right now is the Yankees at two seventy four. So, uh, I mean, I've been it's been like a over a decade. The Yankees just keep finding guys. I mean. Uh, they lose a role to Chapman. Oh, no worries. We're going to bring in Clay Holmes in his – what does he have, like a .36 ERA? Like, I mean, yeah. the guy's unbelievable. And it's not just luck because you see what his whip is, which is walks plus hits divided by innings pitch. I mean, it's also microscopic. I mean, he the guy's like unbelievable. They just always find those guys, uh, you know, and then when they leave, um, you know, they go to other teams and they fall apart. But there's something in the water – you know, the Yankees with their bullpen. It's just unbelievable. And even their starting pitching right now is really good. You figure back-to-back starts, what, like, back, I think it was like two weeks ago, they had two perfect games going into the seventh inning or farther, which is un- unreal. Jameis Italian and Garrett Cole both with quality starts in those games. So their starting pitching is great. Um, and like you said, the Red Sox and Phillies are – legit mirror teams if you well not to go back to to touch base on what we were just talking about you mean the pirates starting rotation is really good oh, uh no, Garrett the... Cole, jameson tyon joe musgrove oh Monster. yeah so yeah all guys yeah, that yeah. should be on the pirates yeah but they're on you know that you know got plucked by like you know more financially uh viable teams you know it just it, it's brutal as a pirates fan you know just be like Oh, Garrett Cole, you know, he's like amazing. Uh, Jameson Tyon, you know, after his multiple surgeries, now he's like, you know, pitching to his potential. He was the number one overall draft pick back, I, I can't remember the year, I think it was like 2013. 
Uh, but uh, just unbelievable. Uh, it just makes you sad. But the Yankees just get it done. I mean, you looked at starting pitching was going to be the weakness going into the year. They get Luis Severino back. Uh, Nestor Cortez comes out of nowhere to be like a Cy Young candidate. I mean, they just they find a way. You know, even like when Garrett Cole's maybe been the fourth or best starting pitcher on that team, like, you know, that's the reason why they have like a historically great record through like 65 games. And I do want to point out a little bit here for you because I'm sure, obviously you are very aware of it that the Red Sox are doing this, but they're starting pitching without Chris Sale. The Yankees have been pretty healthy with their starting pitching. So maybe if Sale would ever come back and stay completely healthy. I, we could possibly see Boston back on top because their bullpen is just getting so much work right now because it seems like they're starting or they're starting five just can't extend really, into the games. It really – the starting rotation hasn't been – that hasn't been the problem. I mean, I don't think they've been overworked. I mean, Nick Pavetta has been great. He, uh, uh, he is any – you know, that's got to hurt you as a Phillies fan. That trade – looking back <laughs> on that trade. Uh, uh, yeah. a has been fantastic. Um, Michael Waka reclamation progress project has been uh, pretty, really solid. Um, you know, before we went on the, uh, the IL Nate Avaldi has was having a very good year. Uh, we actually, I think the Red Sox lead the majors in complete games by like a pretty good margin. And uh, it's it just, there are some games when a rich Hill pitches where he goes four or five innings or, and Garrett Wicklock has been kind of a disappointing as a starter. I was against moving him into the rotation, but unfortunately Shane Bloom and Alex core didn't ask me, but uh, you know, he's been mediocre as a starter, but he was lights out as a reliever last year. And be, just because he was able to go like two, maybe three innings sometimes like they thought, Oh, let's make him a starter. And it really hasn't worked out. I mean, it's same with uh, Tanner Houck for us. Uh, he's moved into our closer role after a failed shot as a starter. I'm hoping that he can shore up the back end, but I think Whitlock uh, needs to go back into the bullpen, but they probably won't do it. But I'm not counting on sale. Uh, you know, coming off Tommy John surgery, it's it's hard to rely on anyone that heavily. And, uh, you know, it's he's only a year removed, and he's had some other issues. Uh, I'd like to see them put sale back in the bullpen the way he started his career. But, again, no one consults me. Well, I can tell you that you're going to be getting it. You guys traded for uh, James Norwood from the Phillies. 20 games played and 831 ERA. So that's really not going to serve your bullpen any. Uh, oh, yeah. When did that happen? Yesterday. Oh, well, yeah. You guys, didn't you DFA him? Yeah. Just, so, yeah, we, we, we DFA'd him technically, but they ended up trading him for cash to the Red yeah. Sox and it's yeah what, we you know, probably what happens is we probably claimed him on waivers and you know and then we had to give you guys something so yeah. you know I hope we got some cheesesteaks in the deal too. Uh I'm sure that could be made possible. <laughs> uh so anyways yeah I agree with you though both teams mirror it would be great to see them in the World Series. I don't know right now the way both New York teams are playing uh, I don't want to see either one of them in the World Series, but they're just – they're really, really good right now. They're probably the two best teams in baseball. And then you can't really count out um, uh, the Astros. They've been playing really well this year too. Braves, red hot. Yeah, well, their, their winning streak just got knocked out by the Cubs on a one nothing game. So I'm not heartbroken over that at all. No, but if the Braves <laughs> ever get fully healthy, I mean, they just lost Ozzie Albies for a long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a big blow, but – yeah, if they ever get healthy, they're going to be tough. I mean, I don't know what it is. I really feel like there's a lot of really good teams this year in baseball. Like, I'm really excited for the playoffs, especially with the new formats. I mean, I'm uh, I think it'll be uh, October baseball is going to be really good. I mean, the Red Sox as good as they've been to dig themselves out of the hole. I mean, the the Guardians have been like lightning red hot. They just were out in LA, and I think they took like three out of four from the Dodgers. Yeah, they did. They're crushing it. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of good teams. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, Yankees. Yeah, how about the Cardinals bullpen? You know, Ryan Helsey, you know, uh, coming out of nowhere. Like, Gallegos was not pitching very well. A lot of guys failed, and they get uh, Ryan Helsey. He comes in and throws like 103 miles per hour every pitch. He's been really, really good. 
Yeah, and then uh, Sean also said about uh, understand as a Reds fan trading huge prospects. Yeah, it's I mean it seems like that whole division though, like the Pirates and the Reds and stuff. At any time they get good prospects in there, they trade them away to better teams, and it's not really doing them any good. So it just <sighs> uh, you know everyone's trying to replicate the Astros Cubs models of like you know like seven eight years ago where you bottom out and you're trying to get like the best prospects and draft picks to try and build your team. Uh, it just, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's really viable long-term in baseball. I think the new model is you got to be like the guardians and try and just be good enough to get in the playoffs and just see what happens. You know, anything or, can happen in a short series. Or just be good enough to be able to change your team name to the guardians. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a whole nother subject, but yeah. you know, with the Phillies, we're, I think it varies. It's a little bit different than the Red Soxes. Tell me if you're a team and you have to come into the Philly, mean to have the Phillies in the playoffs, and not only you have to go against that offense, but you have to face Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola in in first two games of a short series. That's pretty scary. You know what I mean? Like anything can happen with the Phillies. I don't think the Red Sox have that top of the line starting pitching like the Phillies do. I think that's what differentiates, uh, you know, Valdi and Wheeler are good, but I don't think there's dominant as like Nola and Wheeler. I mean, I would agree with you in that aspect, but in a long-term series, I think the Phillies would struggle just because of the fact of like, okay, so you get to Kyle Gibson at number three, and Gibson's not a bad pitcher. He's been pitching pretty decent this year, and then they're four and five. It's kind of like, who do you go with? Ranger Suarez was a bullpen guy last year or start out in the bullpen, turned into a starter, showing struggles, and then Eflin has been hit or miss with Kyle Gibson as well. So the problem that they're going to run into in a short series is how much work will the bullpen get? Because at the time, I have Girardi being there. Girardi would not let anybody in the bullpen pitch more than three days in a row. So they don't have a lot of use in the regular season so far. And I don't know how much useful they're going to be in a short series, but I don't really, I hope we, I don't have to worry about that. I hope that they can get themselves solidly in and they can depend on Harper and Castellanos and Schwarber. And right now, Reese Hoskins, who's absolutely on fire for the Phillies offense. I mean, that, that man has pretty much hit everything that he possibly can in the month of June, home runs, triples, doubles, singles, Everything, but I think the the Liberty Bell on the outfield he's hit. So I would hate to I would hate to face that offense if they were hot. But if it comes to pitching, I don't know if their pitching is really that uh that much of a threat in a short series. Well, I I disagree. I mean, I think if you go on the road because you obviously be if you, if you don't change position in the standings. I mean, anything has Zach Wheeler can go out there, Nola can go out there, and if they're on their game. They can steal games on the road, and that sets you up for like, hey, games three and four when you have to pitch Gibson and Suarez. I think that makes the difference. I think that one of the bigger problems, like well, the Phillies lineup's unbelievable. But what are you guys going to do about the corpse formerly known as Didi Gregorius? Because <laughs> I mean, I love Didi Gregorius. I mean, he's always been one of my favorite players, even as a Red Sox fan. But he's been abysmal. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk on touch on two things here. So you said about. Wheeler would be the guy that would scare me the most. Nola, I've been critical of Nola. Tim Tim loves Nola. Um, Nola can be hit or miss a lot when it comes to games because he'll give up that early home run, but then he'll pitch really well and the offense doesn't back him up. Now, when it comes to Didi, I, I love Didi. I think right now, like, that's the best bet for them because right with how he's playing right now, he's actually playing really good baseball. The problem is you got Bryson Stott, who is an – who Tim loves as a natural shortstop. And you can't really put him in in place of DD because DD right now is that guy. And DD's been hitting the ball really well and has been fielding really well. So when the season ends, I can see DD gone. He's batting 291 right now and 357 on base percentage. But zero home runs. I mean, that's. Yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me a little bit, though, but he's still hitting the ball. So. I haven't watched the Phillies much this year. How has his defense been? Because he used to be like otherworldly, and then he kind of slumped the last couple of years. Has he got his throwing problems under control? For the most part, but I mean, in general, the Phillies defense has been 
mediocre all season so far. I mean, we're talking like Alec Bowman one game with three errors and three straight innings. So it's kind of hard to say that, that their defense is top notch for any any of them. Um, but like Didi's fielding has been great. It's whether or not the throws are completed. It's hit or miss. It depends on who's playing first base. Honestly, I love uh, teasing all my Philly fan friends. Uh, I let them. I tell them that uh, the Phillies put together the best beer league softball team lineup in like Major League Baseball history. Like it's just like all <laughs> these guys. Like you know, I'm just like if I was playing slow pitch softball, like the Phillies would like be unbelievably they'd be impossible to stop. Yeah. But unfortunately, the majors like pitching and defense matter, and uh, you know. I think that's where they're a little lacking. I, I don't – you guys have Dave Dombrowski. I, I've suffered through him as a Red Sox fan. I mean, to give you an idea of, like, how uh, his ways and how he rubs people the wrong ways and does, uh, you know, things that are a little um, unconventional. Like, the, the Red Sox won the World Series in 2018 with him as the GM and promptly fired him, like, a couple weeks later after the season, after he won him a World Series, hey. <laughs> You know, and then the first thing he did to come to Philadelphia was he made all these crazy trades and and took on signed people for crazy salaries. And, uh, you know, it just – I hope that he uh, doesn't trade away like a Bryson Stott or an Alec Bohm. I mean, like, I think that those guys are, like, pivotal to the Phillies' uh, future. But, you know, the, the Phillies and the Red Sox aren't really the best when it comes to, like, developing prospects and keeping them long-term. Like, they get lucky once in a while with a – a Reese Hoskins or a Raphael Devers. Sorry, I'm really itchy today. I don't know <laughs> okay. what it is. Uh, but, uh, you know, you know. but overall, we couldn't say that they're like the Dodgers who just keep cranking out like unbelievable like prospects and yep. players. Like, you know, the farm system is just incredible. But, uh, you know, I'd like to see them keep Bowman Stott, you know, long term. I think that'd be advantageous. Well, so DD's got two errors in – 242 full innings played right now. So 981 in fielding percentage isn't terrible. That's not the lowest in his career. His lowest was a 968 his first year in Philly. Well, no, 953 last year in Philly. Excuse me, second year in Philly. So he's above where he's been so far in his Philly career. But I've actually been contemplating if the right third baseman would come available for free agency for the Phillies, I would see them taking them over, over Bohm. Boom is that guy that you don't really want to get rid of him, but you know that like if he goes someplace else, he's going to shine and be a much better ball player. Oh, uh, he might be JP Crawford 2.0. Right. So it it would suck to see him go, but it's also like if the right player is available to play oh, come sure. in there, is he worth keeping over that guy? Probably not. But he's here's gotta, the thing: he's, how much money can you spend? I mean, you you got to have like a balance of like. You know, your Castellanos is, uh, you know, your Kyle Schwarbers, your Bryce Harpers, you know, your Nola's, your Wheelers. You got to, you can't pay everybody $23 million. You know what I mean? Like, kind of, if you're the Dodgers, you're willing to pay that yeah. luxury tax. Yeah, there's so. very, you know, the Dodgers and the Golden State Warriors have it like that. But I mean, and while Philly and Boston play in big markets, I mean, I don't think, you know, the Phillies owners are willing to go too much further over the luxury tax. Well, what's helping them right now will be the fact that over the next several years, the, the tax threshold will increase each year. So yeah. as they're over right now, next year they'll be considered under the threshold. And then the third year they'll be even farther under. So there is that opportunity for them. If with, I mean, Obviously, with Didi's contract off the books at the end of this year, that opens up the money a little bit more where if they really wanted to go after a bullpen guy and another third baseman or whatever, they could do it. Right now, I think they got a, a nice guy in Johan Camargo. I never thought I'd say that in my life when Johan Camargo came to Philly. I thought, man, this is going to be a joke, but he's actually been a really good infielder for them. And he's a blue guy. Yeah, he's he's been phenomenal. He's a, he's a workhorse. When he goes in and plays, like he, he can play all those positions and play them well. So I don't know if he would be a long-term answer either, but he's a great fit. He's like, uh, like what Brad Miller was for the Phillies last year, so – it's working out. I still, I don't know. I think I, the Phillies miss Brad Miller to a degree. I think so too. And 
as much as I'd love to see Brad Miller back, I'm just glad to see that he's actually being successful elsewhere as well. So, well, I mean, well, depending on uh, the Rangers, actually have been playing pretty well this month too. They've dug themselves out of a, a, a from a terrible start to actually, I think they're second in their division right now. But I mean, if 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 they're not in contention, I mean, that could be like a, a reasonable target. You know, the Phillies and Rangers have a, a successful history of making trades together. They could get Brad Miller back probably on the cheap for like a lower level prospect. Possibly. But the problem the Rangers have right now is that entire division is chasing the Houston Astros. And, oh, yeah. And Houston's just blowing them away. Even with a loss, they have a run differential of plus 52. So You know what's scary is you look at the lineup of the Astros and uh, they're, they have a roster of stars. And, you know, they put up some stats, but they haven't really hit. Their pitching has been uh, off the charts. You know, with uh, Framber Valdez and Justin Verlander and Arquiti and like, you know, they've all been down the, the the pitching staff. Their pitching's been unbelievable, and somehow they every uh, reliever they pick up turns the gold. Such as uh, Hector Neris is having a career year. Because a Phillies fan, uh, Hector Neris. But well, since we're going to talk a little bit about the Astros, let's just go ahead and talk about it. They had what is. Unbelievable. The first time in Major League history that we had two immaculate innings in one game with the starter, Luis Garcia, pitching one. And then later on in the game, Phil Maton, the reliever, pitched the same thing. If you don't know what immaculate inning is, then you probably shouldn't be watching the show. It's three outs on three pitches or three strikeouts on three pitches for three straight batters. They did it twice. It's It happens on occasion. It's not like a cycle in baseball or anything like that or no hitter it's it happens far less and for them to do it twice in a game is one of the most unbelievable things i've ever seen in my life in uh, 1983 when i was 12 years old uh, i pitched an immaculate inning uh in hershey pony league baseball although it i have an asterisk next to that record because one of the kids, I believe, uh, had a disability. So, you know, it wasn't really fair that I struck him out on three pitches. It's, I mean, it's still, I'm still going to count it. It is what no. it is. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to uh, add it to my Wikipedia page. Yeah, there you go. In total, in baseball history, we're, this is dating all the way back to the 1880s, there have been 108 immaculate innings in the history of baseball. And I'm not really sure because, uh, like I said, I'm still a little sleepy. I haven't had enough caffeine yet. Uh, did you also mention that it was to the same three batters in both innings? Nope. I was getting to that. It was to Nathaniel Lowe, Ezekiel Duran, and Brad Miller, ironically. so. Yeah. I mean, those are – honestly, well, people aren't probably too familiar with Texas Rangers. I mean, those are solid batters. I mean, uh, Nate Lowe is a solid uh, first baseman. And Duran, since he's been called up, has been uh, – a pretty good rookie, re, you know, revelation playing third base for the Rangers. And, and of course, you know, we're just started the Brad Miller fan club here on your podcast. <laughs> Maybe that could be a segment. What's Brad yeah. Miller doing? Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, we, that, this was, so this was technically the second game that we've had an immaculate inning this year. The other one was the Yankees and Orioles, April 17th with Nestor Cortez. He sh- got Robinson. I saw that live. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was watching it live on TV when that happened. Chirianos, Owings, and Gutierrez. And then last year there was one, like five, with the last one being the Dodgers and the Padres. And that lineup, it was uh, Max Scherzer getting Tatis, Hosmer, and Tommy Pham. So. Well, let me ask you a question. Uh, over the last, let's just call it decade, the strikeout rate in Major League Baseball has really gone through the roof. Like, you know, because it's all – Seems to come down to this true three outcomes of strikeout on uh, what people are going for. Do you think that we're going to see more immaculate innings? Uh, do you think that is something that's going to be on the rise, become more yeah. conscious? Yeah, because I mean, we're starting to see guys pitch perfect games, and even though they're not finishing them, whether it be just one bad pitch or a bullpen issue or whatever, you know, just high pitch counts and bullpen comes in to try and finish it. We're seeing a lot more guys getting deeper and farther in the games with no hitters and perfect games that we're we're going to see more of them this year. I think with that, the immaculate innings are going to come because just they're trying to make this more about the pitchers now. It 
the whole debate on what ball are we using? How are we, how are we going to use it as the spin rates and this and that? I wouldn't be surprised if we pushed double digits in, in the immaculate innings. I mean, I know it's been a while that between the two this year, talking April and June, but I mean, that's three right there, two in one game. So the way the pitchers are this year, we, I mean, Scherzer can still get another one if he really wanted to. I'm not going to count out Zach Wheeler. I'm not going to count out like Justin Verlander possibly doing one. The way that these guys are all pitching, I could see that stat going higher. Just well, the guy I mentioned for the Cardinals. I mean, I think he's a good, Ryan Helsley. Uh, that guy throws harder than I think I've ever seen anyone throw. Uh, he's throwing harder than Roldis Chapman in his prime. Um, you know, that's a, a great candidate for a perfect immaculate inning. Um, just a lot of things are in play. Like, uh, you know, people, batters using launch angle, you know, maybe uppercutting swinging, you know, not going so much for contact. Um, you know, maybe in the future as we go to an automatic strike zone, you know, that could be like something where like maybe, uh, you know, might affect like the number of uh, immaculate innings. I mean, there's a lot of variables that uh, come into play. I mean, I could see this definitely increasing for sure. And my thing is too, like I've, I've been pretty critical of him is Kyle Schwarber, you know, guy that either hits a home run or strikes out with guys like that. You have that throughout all of baseball. Uh, you see a lot more of guys swinging at the first three pitches than you've seen in the past because they know like that's their opportunity to try and get a fastball or that breaking ball that they know that they can make contact with. It seems like that's been the, the quickest three pitches each game. So these guys are swinging for the fences. So, yeah, that's, that's probably going to increase a lot. I don't really know if that's going to be good for baseball because they really keep wanting to change the game or trying to make the make it a pitcher's game, but they want to see more home runs. So take one or the other. I'm not really sure if they're going to actually uh, be able to pull the trigger and end it like they want it, but I guess we'll find out. I mean, it's well, we still got a long ways to go in the season. So – in the 70s and 80s and in the mid-90s, if you look at the back of baseball cards, like, you know, most players, you know, it, there were a lot of 300 batting average hitters or higher, uh, a lot of guys in the 280s, 290s. And if you were in the 270s, you were like, oh, that guy's very almost like mediocre. Yeah. And, and now you look at it now, like I was looking at, I grabbed some notes here, uh, like Kyle Schwarber. Batting 212 with 18 home runs and 37 RBIs. You see, you never saw the amount of guys in the low 200s that you do today. But it's okay because he has 18 home runs. And he's like, what is he like, second in the NL? Like, I think yeah, he's overall so like fifth in Major League Baseball. You know, and it's like, that's okay because he's hitting for power. And again, it's those, they don't mind that three outcome, like strikeout, walk, home run. And that's Schwarber in a nutshell. I loved him when he was with the Red Sox last year, but I mean, it's kind of uh, hard to justify paying someone that kind of money who doesn't play a defensive position or at least very well. And, you know, he's batting 212. Like, I mean, but there are more and more batting averages down across the major leagues. As a fantasy baseball player, it drives me crazy. Like, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, like, I got to keep a guy like Luis Arias on my batting, on my roster because he's batting 369 but he has like one home run and 11 RBIs. Like, you know what I mean? He does nothing but bloop singles, but I need that, the batting average stat. I mean, it, it's just a different game and different world than what I grew up in. I don't know, like, uh, like, what do you feel about like his change since, you know, you were, you know, a kid, like you, you noticed a difference in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. So the one thing I've noticed though, is like, obviously I remember the steroid era when we got to see Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa go or, and Mark McGuire and all those guys break the home run record. And that era, it was all about the home run. Now it's all about pitching. The one thing I've noticed is they are, they're trying to knock the pitching back because the pitchers have gotten so much more finesse in their pitching. Like they're more precise and the game has changed so much. That we're not seeing these guys hitting 60, 70 home runs anymore. You know, 50 is a remarkable feat anymore. But the batting average thing, like right now we're sitting with 15 players batting 300 or better. And that's huge. I know it seems 
like uh, it seems very minimal to most, but like that with the way the game has changed to be more favorable for pitching, 15 guys to be above that 300 mark, which seems to be the 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 mark that baseball wants everybody to be at is 300 or better. To have 15 guys throughout the league at that mark is remarkable. So, and my my you know lack of expertise or lack of years of being around baseball because you know I'm only in my I'm only 30 31. The game has changed from being a home run game back in the late 90s, early 2000s to now that's make it all about pitching, but we want to bring the home runs back. So I think we're definitely uh, at the beginning of a, a semi transition. A semi transition is everything was power, like hard throwing. Uh, you know, you wanted bullpens. Everything was about like, you know, uh, bringing in multiple relievers who all throw hard. And then the batting, it was all guys who were like sluggers hitting the home run. You starting to see the value of a uh, Luis Arias or Jeff McNeil. Those guys who are like, you know, maybe not, they're just contact hitters. And there you see their teams are in first place. Like teams that have that player, uh, you know, who uh, can get on base and have a good batting average. What's fortunate about the Red Sox is even though, uh, you know, Raphael Devers is batting well over 300, hitting for power. But J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts, both having great years driving in runs, but they don't have very many home runs, but they're both hitting in the high 300s. They're just making contact. But uh, one, the other thing, too, about pitching, and I'm, I don't mean to ramble, is uh, a great thing I heard the other day is, so Michael Walker is having a lot of success for the Red Sox. Yep. And what the announcer said was he made changes to his pitching. He's actually throwing softer. He's taken a couple miles per hour off uh, some of his pitches, and it's allowed him to be more accurate. And also the exit velocity on it when people hit the ball isn't as great. You know, so, I mean, I think you might see a transition where maybe pitchers don't try to throw so hard because that contributes to when a batter makes contact, the balls go flying. Well, we got to factor this in, too. Starting next year, the shift is banned from baseball. So that has played such a huge role in, on guys and their batting. That's why I think the focus right now is guys just making contact and getting on base because you see the shift happen all the time. And guys can't hit out of the shift. Well, now with the shift being banned next year, that little base hit might be a lot more than that solo home run that you hit in the first inning. Matt, you're 30 years old. So you've been going to bars for about nine years. And did you ever go to a bar and you see a girl and you, you, you start talking to her and then some other guy comes over and like, you know, basically talks crap on you or like, you know, like, you know, tries to like ruin your game. Did that ever happen to you ever? Not really. I never really had a game to begin with. Oh, well, that's called (laughs) cock blocking. And that's kind of what I feel like the shift is in Major League Baseball. It like cock blocks hitters by like, you know, like when you overload the ball, like, I mean, so many times I've seen Raphael Devers hit a line drive that the second baseman who's playing like that softball short, you know, right field, like gobbles it up, throws him the first. I mean, the shift is uh, brutal. I'm so glad it's going to be gone. Like, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm a hundred percent purist, but you know, I, I just really feel like it, it's, it, it's hurt the game. Although what I will say this too, it drives me crazy. Why don't people more bunt against the shift? I don't understand that either. They were talking about that in the Phillies game about, you know, um, and her double header that they had the other day, Harper was at bat and they're like, Oh, we could see him bunt here. I'm like, you're not going to see him bunt. Like nobody bunts the baseball. Nobody does sack bunts anymore. Nobody does anything. A simple bunt on the shift, you'd get on base easily in this game. I don't even care how fast you are or how slow you are. You'll get on base. Nobody bunts in baseball. I don't. It's it's home run or strikeout or nothing. Well, I see where that doesn't make sense for like a Bryce Harper, but for like a Jackie Bradley Jr. or an Odubel Herrera, like with your speed, you know, and you're not really like lighting the world on fire as a hitter. Like, drop the bunt, push it down third base, make them pay, get on base. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. set the table for the top of the order. Like, I I just don't understand it. Like, uh, you know, like Alec Bohm, you know, like, you know, Bryson Stott, take advantage of that. 
you know, just I'm just some Phillies right. that maybe aren't Bryce right. Harper or Castellanos or just, Schwarber. Just in general, though, that's across all baseball. Like you don't yeah. see you know, these guys that are super fast are supposed to be these leadoff guys. They're fast runners, and even in a shift situation with guys even on base and nobody bunts. I that I that just tells you even what the front office with their thinking is. They don't care, and the players they don't care. Batting average doesn't get you the big payday, but home runs and RBIs do, you know, and, uh, and it's just, it's just not, it's devalued, but I mean, you know, teams that win, I, you know, I see them bump. Like I hate to say it, like St. Louis Cardinals, like, you know, they're a winning team. Yep. Uh, we're going to touch on this real quick. Um, Steven Strasburg hurt again. Same. They mentioned it in the Phillies game, what the injury is. I can't remember what it is. It's, but no pitcher has ever came back from it. He tried ever since he signed. Isn't it thoracic outlet yeah, syndrome? Yeah, I, I couldn't think of how what the name of it actually was. Um, he signed a $200 million contract and has played in 31 games since he signed that contract. So they're definitely not getting their money's worth out of him. I feel really bad for him. Strasburg is a, gr- is a really good pitcher. I got to see him pitch in Harrisburg. Bright future. And just he, this injury bug just has gotten to him. And I just, I don't see him coming back to be honest. I mean, he'll try so he can keep collecting the money. You'll, you'll hear about him rehabilitating and, you know, doing things, but it's tough. I mean, it's a bad break for Strasburg and a bad break for Washington, but it, you know, it could have gone the other way. I mean, they could have signed Anthony Rendon. He just went on the deal again. You know, he's played like barely like 150 games in the last like three and a half years. Uh, you know, and his contract was like, what was it, 240? Uh, you know, and it's just, you know, you win some, you lose some. You know, Mookie Betts just went on the DL, you know what I mean, with like a, yeah. with an injury, crushing me, one of my fantasy teams. Uh, you know, it's just that risk you're taking when you're do- doling out that kind of money. I mean, nothing's for certain. I mean, you know, look, even Mike Trout's missed significant time over the last couple of seasons. I mean, you know, who's the sure bet that when you sign that contract, I mean, look at a young guy, Fernando Tatis, Signed a three hundred million dollar contract. I mean, you know, I start to worry about he. You know, he was supposed to be back mid May, and now it's like we're talking. It's already mid June, and they're like, "Yeah, he's not even close to coming back." I mean, it's just you know, it's the risk you take in sports. Well, at the bottom, I, there's a scrolling ticker for everybody to see. This is some of our BW Sports uh, personalities. Today is Father's Day. So I figured we could touch on a little bit here on uh, some of the best father-son combos in baseball and I, from MLB.com. Here is what they have as some of their best father-son duos in MLB history. At the top, they have Bobby Bonds and Barry Bonds. Ken Griffey Sr., Ken Griffey Jr. Jr. were probably one of the purest swings in baseball history. I always loved watching him swing a bat. Felipe. One of my five favorite players of all time. Yep. Felipe Alou, Moises Salou, not a bad combination there. Ray Boone and Bob Boone. And actually then we can throw in there. Brett Boone is now. And Aaron Boone. And, yeah. And Aaron Boone. Um, Aaron being the, uh, the manager of the Yankees right now. So rich history in baseball for families, father, sons. Uh, we'll keep going down through here real quick. Mel Stottlemyre, Todd Stottlemyre. We got the, Cruises, Jose and Jose Jr., Gus Bell and Buddy Bell, Sandy Alomar and Roberto Alomar. Don't forget about Sandy Alomar Jr., catcher. Uh, Yeah, there's the bonus of Sandy Alomar Jr., Dizzy Trout and Steve Trout. And then Cecil Fielder and Prince Fielder in their honorable mentions. They talked about Tom Gordon and D. Gordon and the Gwyns. My honorable mention I'm giving to – the Guerreros, Vlad Sr. and Vlad Jr. Vlad Jr. is just like his old man. From from what I can remember, seeing Vlad Sr. play and watching Vlad Jr. play now. So I want your take. Who do you think is the greatest father-son duo in baseball? It does not necessarily have to be the same as what MLB has, but I'm kind of curious to hear your take on that. Well, uh, just real quick, uh, on uh, the Blue Jays alone, they have uh... – Kevin Biggio, son of Craig Biggio, and of course, uh, Bo Bichette, son of Dante Bichette. Yeah. So that's crazy that they have three father-son combinations on one team. And uh, honestly, uh, one of my one of my favorites is uh, Hal and Brian McRae. Uh, you know, both played most of their careers with the Royals. But uh, 
at the end of the day, I, I love the Griffies. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr., you know, is one of my five favorite players, like I said. I mean, and uh, love them or hate them, I mean, you know, the Bonds is, like, they're incredible. You know, they're, they're talent. I mean, it's crazy that, you know, reading about the careers of uh, all these guys, uh, I don't know, like I said, I guess I said the Griffies have to be my favorite. I mean, I wore my hat backwards uh, well into my 30s just because of Ken Griffey <laughs> Jr., you know, and uh, and he's also from born in Pennsylvania. Don Donora, PA, was the birthplace of Ken Griffey, although he grew up in Cincinnati. Yeah, I would have to say probably the the Griffies. I think the Gwyns would be up there with me too, because uh, it's really hard to hate Tony Junior when he was playing, and even well, Tony Senior. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Tony, the Gwyn family. I mean, you know, even though it wasn't the son, I mean, they had Chris Gwyn, you know, Tony's brother. I mean, that's just crazy. Like all that talent in one family. You know, hitting a baseball, but uh, yeah, it's, I would love to see one of these like third generation sons make it. You know, fortunately, Ken Griffey Jr.'s uh, son uh, Trey didn't make it in sports, and I think he had another son to play baseball, but uh, didn't quite make it either. But Sean I'm rambling no, again. You're good. Uh, Sean said he loves the Griffeys and the Guerreros, so yeah, I would agree. I but uh, to me the Gwyns, the Griffies, and even the Bonses. I mean, even despite everything that Barry went through, he was still going to be a Hall of Famer in my book without the steroids and then the steroids. You know, I, I, for, I forgot to say is uh, I was a huge uh, Roberto Alomar fan, and I grew up in, in like, playing a game called uh, Stratomatic Baseball. And uh, my first experience was, uh, was, was playing Sandy Alomar Jr., you know, with, with the Yankees as, as one of my uh, – sets that I had. And, and when uh, Roberto and Sandy Jr. came up, I was like, Oh my God, these are my guys. And I have so many of their car baseball cards, but uh, for, you know, they both had great careers, but uh, yeah, I, I had her say that I probably the Alomars are probably my true favorite, you know, cause that's just like something unusual, you know, I, I kind of go against the green, the Alomars and the Griffiths are probably my top two. Who would you say your top two was? Uh, the Griffiths and the Gwyns. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, and then we can even go back. Like the Phillies had uh, Al Leiter Jr. pitching for them at one point, son of Al Leiter. Al Leiter was a pretty good pitcher in his heyday. So, um, well, and uh, Jack Leiter, uh, you know, was uh, was he the number one pick in the draft, or he was definitely top five last year yeah, by he the was, Rangers? Yeah, I think he was top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he went right after Marcelo Mayer or right before. Uh, but yeah, he's he's up and coming. And what about Bobby Wood Jr.? You know, uh, was, yeah. You know, uh, his dad was a a pretty solid pitcher. You know, had a serviceable major league career. Did he play for the Phillies too, or was that his brother, Mike Witt? I, I think forget. Who's Bobby's his brother. Dad? I, uh, you're putting me on the spot. I can't remember. I think Mike's his dad. Well, it's obviously got to be Bobby Witt or, because it's yeah. Bobby Witt Jr. I'm sorry, well, I'm a dummy. Well, I'm saying when it comes to playing for the Phillies, I think Mike played for the Phillies. Yeah, I think Mike paid for the Phillies, but. Uh, like I said, that's incredible, you know. But when you have the resources, once you're a major league player, you know, you can uh, get your kid around the game and get them extra training, and plus you know what to do. But, I mean, there's uh, just looking through, like, a list of second-generation players, just looking at some of the guys that are in Hall of, that are in the Hall of Fame that have sons that played or, or sons are potential Hall of Famers, and they didn't make it. It's just unreal just looking at some of the list of names. You like know, Robinson old- Cano's dad – what about did Cal Ripken Senior play in the major leagues? I know he was a coach in the major leagues. I uh, I don't I don't remember, but you know what we did we, we forgot about one. There was a uh, debut of a former pitcher, Roger Clemens. His son Cody oh. made his major league debut the other day. I just remembered that one. Just looking through the list. So well, what's crazy about it is he actually uh, he what is he is he an outfielder? What who, was this? Who, who Cody? Cody's a pitcher. No, I thought he pitched in the other day, but he wasn't. He, I thought he was a he was a position player pitched. Oh yeah, yeah, he was. He's an infielder, outfielder, but he came in to pitch in the. Yeah, that's what I thought was neat about that was he. Uh, they made a big deal about he actually pitched an inning. Yeah. So, so that was pretty cool. Mike Piazza when he sees him. Uh, Sean also said the Steinbrenners kind of forgot about them. Their long tenure of. The Yankees organization. So, well, most teams get handed down. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. children. 
But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, guy, I mean, it's it's cool. I mean, uh, I don't know. One last thing, uh, you know, I, I one guy I want to talk about. If people out there are interested in baseball cards, I've been loading up on Julio Rodriguez cards. He, uh, I think he's going to be the rookie of the year in the American League. I think he's a tremendous talent. I don't know if people. You get to watch many West Coast games. Do you have the Major League package? No, no, I've watched whatever's on ESPN usually. Like I have the ESPN Plus app, so I do play a lot of the West Coast stuff on there at times. Yeah, so. if you get the chance, watch Julio Rodriguez. He that kid is special. He's uh, I think he's just barely twenty one years old. Uh, you know his power. He is prolific power, which playing in that ballpark and and being a rookie hasn't really shown through yet. Although he has about eight home runs. What's been impressive is he's leading the major leagues in stolen bases, and I did not expect that. So uh, I invested heavily. That was my guy who I'm like, he's going to be the rookie of the year. I wasn't in on Adelie Rushman or Bobby Witt Jr. You know, I'm like, I'm a Julio guy. Well, so we actually talked about the prospects in one of our earlier shows, and I was pretty big on Adelie Rushman. I thought he was going to be pretty good, but like um, – Julio Rodriguez was one that we actually talked about. We were all pretty high up on him. So, glad to see he's actually doing really well. He's, I think he's like superseding any expectations he had, to be honest with you. Well, he was one of, he, over the last couple of years, he's been either like one, two, or three as far as baseball America top prospects. But uh, Oriole fans have to feel good. I mean, I really am happy for what they're building down there. Um, with Adley Rushman and Ryan Mountcastle, and then Grayson Rodriguez is on his way. And the, once they get the pitching, I mean, they have a they have a really nice offense. Cedric Mullins, uh, you know, uh, just Santander. Like, I mean, I really like what they're building down there. That's what frustrates me again. Going back to the Pirates, the inability to to, to create any kind of prospect that's like difference making. I mean, they got lucky with. Um, Who's the center fielder? I'm spacing on his name. Brian. Um, uh, for the, the guy that they're going to trade. Uh, Brian you know, Reynolds. Brian Reynolds. Like, yeah. They got lucky with him because he wasn't a top prospect, but he developed. He, Brian Hayes, I just don't see it with him. I actually have a year-long bet every year with my buddy. Who's going to have better stats, Key Brian Hayes or Alex Bohm? And uh, last year we split because I want, you know, like we did categories. But, uh, yeah, just like who is the Pirates' outstanding guy? I mean, like, I was really disappointed that they took Henry Owens when they had the chance to take uh, Marcelo Meyer. You know, I just it, it frustrates me to no end. But the Orioles, I think, are building something nice. Well, the the Pirates have a prospect in O'Neill Cruz that we pay attention to because we uh, we get information from their minor league affiliate, the Indianapolis Indians. So shortstop. Currently, he's six seven, two twenty. hasn't had the most outstanding season right now, but uh, eventually he'll make his way into the Pirates organization. He's batting two thirty three right now, so um, that's a prospect that we've been kind of high on on our show here. So hopefully, yeah, I think a sleeper guy him. who I think is going to be a serviceable major league player is Nick Gonzalez for the Pirates. They moved yep. to he was a shortstop. They moved him to second because he's playing with O'Neill Cruz right now. But I mean. I think, you know, I think those guys can be solid. But, again, where is the lightning in the bottle guy? You know what I mean? Just they're dra drafting at the top of the draft every year. They're getting all these prospects in trades. Like, what is happening? If I'm the Reds, the Pirates, I'm calling up the Yankees and be like, listen, you want Brian Reynolds to play center field for you? Give us Jason Dominguez. You yeah. know, Jason Dominguez is like the most overhyped guy of all time. But – you know, that's the kind of player the Pirates need in their organization. Someone They need a lottery ticket guy. All right, give me a quick uh, Father's Day memory. It can be baseball-related. It can be anything. Give me a, since it is Father's Day, give me a favorite memory with – it can be with dad, granddad, stepfather, father figure, whoever. Well – I had an amazing stepfather who was a little Italian guy who looks like a Mario for Mario's brother. He's like five foot seven, 145 pounds. And he, he's a golfer. And so growing up, I had known, he, we didn't really play a lot of catch and he didn't really help me with my baseball career. And I played a lot of baseball, but you know what? He showed up to about 90% of my games and he put in the time. He could have just dropped me off and drove away, but he sat there and watched me play probably about like, 
300 games of baseball over like, you know, a, a you know, 15 year period when he didn't have to. And uh, I love him for that. And, you know, I had a great stepfather. I'm a really, really lucky. How about you? So actually, this is actually kind of a cool story. So my dad and I used to go to uh, Phillies games, Flyers games. I mean, we still do on occasion. One of the coolest things I ever got him to do with me was a double header. So the Flyers and Phillies were both playing in Philly on the same day. So the one was playing at like one o'clock. The other one would play at seven. So him and I went out to Philly for the Phillies played at one. Uh, and then so I go to the parking lot, hang out, drink a little bit. And then we went into the Flyers game. So that's one of my cool memories I've had with them. And then we've hit Fowler's Day games out there too. We've got some pretty cool stuff over the years. So my pops likes to, I, I like to exp- get him into trying different things. And our, our Philly double header in one day was, was pretty cool. So I'd be Can I tell you real go. quick, one of my favorite Philadelphia days of all time go is uh, Halloween of 2008. Uh, the Phillies are playing the Yankees in the World Series. And I went to a Pearl Jam concert, the last show ever at the Spectrum. And what was great about that show is we went down, it was the madness of Philadelphia. You know, packed concert for Pearl Jam. The Phillies are playing the Yankees across the street. Earlier in that day, the Phil- the Flyers played uh, the New York Rangers. And then the next day, the Eagles played the New York Giants. So it was like Philadelphia against New York, complete madness, Pearl Jam concert on Halloween. And just overall, like, I think it was most one of the most nuttiest weekends of my life. And uh, it was just, uh, you know, Philadelphia, even though I'm only a Sixers and a Flyers fan and I hate the Eagles and the Phillies, I'm like, I, you know, I'm lukewarm. I'm, I have no, I'm indifferent. Uh, Philadelphia's a great city, you know, not just for the cheesesteaks. Their sports fans are <laughs> top notch. Yeah. Uh, so before I let you go here, I want a quick prediction from you. Who do you think will be in the World Series come October? Well, I guess November, whatever, whenever they actually end. You know, I hate to say it, but my gut feeling, it's going to, it feels like Yankees Dodgers. And I know that's the easy way out. I just, uh, I think the Yankees looking at their team and knowing that they're probably going to go all in because this may be their last year with Aaron judge. Uh, You know, they're only a couple of pieces away. I mean, they're playing terrific now, but I see them getting a center fielder and maybe one more, uh, a couple of pitching additions. They're going to be tough to beat. Whereas the Dodgers, when they get everybody healthy and they get everybody hitting and uh, you know, they, they have one of the best records in baseball and they've done it without Clayton Kershaw. You know, all that money they wasted on Trevor Bauer and Walker Bueller just went down. I just feel like with their assets and their willingness to spend money, they'll get what they need. I mean, that lineup is like Murder's Row with Turner Betts and Freddie Freeman at the top of the lineup. I mean, what team has a better one, two, three? So I know that's the easy way. I'd love to say that it's Red Sox Phillies all the way, but <laughs> I just, I'm not feeling it this year. Uh, I don't remember who I picked for the National League, but I know I took the Astros in the American League. We did a prediction show on one of the very first shows. I took the Astros as the upset to go to the World Series for the American League. I mean, I would love it. I mean, uh, anybody but the Yankees in my book. But, uh, (laughs) you know, the Astros, I mean, their lineup and their pitching, I mean, and their bullpen, like they're a pretty complete team. And they haven't hit to their potential, even though they have a good offense now. I mean, when uh, Alex Bregman and uh, Kyle Tucker and everybody get on track and and the guy who won the batting title last year, the first baseman, I'm spacing on his name right now, uh, Gurriel, uh, you know, he's having an abysmal year. I mean, imagine if he starts hitting again. Imagine if, uh, you know, who's their uh, DH guy used to play with Cleveland Indians, uh, the outfielder, Michael uh, Brantley. You know, when he gets starts hitting for power, I mean, they're going to be tough to beat, so – yeah, I mean, I, 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 your pick's solid. Who do you, who'd you say you picked in the National League? I don't remember. I think I took the Dodgers, but I don't have my notes in front of me from that show. But uh, I think, I think I took Dodgers, Astros, as much as I don't want to see the Dodgers in. Um, but the Astros are just, it's, they're that team that you, you want to beat, but you don't want to face them right now. So, I mean, I think there are a lot of solid teams in both leagues. I mean, if you told me that it was the Astros, Cardinals in the World Series, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. I just know who's not going to be in it, the Reds or the Pirates. Well, yeah, <laughs> probably for the rest of my lifetime. 
Probably. Well, Rob, thank you for joining me this morning. I know it's probably a little bit of a rough morning for you. I know it was a rough morning for me, so I appreciate what, you. What, this um, isn't a three-hour podcast? I thought this was like Joe Rogan experience. I thought we were going to go for two more hours. No, we could, but that that would be uh, – a, we could sit here and talk hours and hours about baseball, but, you know, we got to go enjoy our Fowler's Day a little bit. I got some I'm cooking for my dad today, so I, I need to make sure he's fed. I'm going to sit by the phone and uh, wait for all those uh, unclaimed babies that I might have made in my 20s and 30s to finally contact me and finally wish me happy Father's Day. Well, I appreciate you joining me. Thank you. I'm sure we'll have you on again. It was fun. The other two, oh. I wish were here to enjoy this with me as well. But Well, and if you're in central Pennsylvania, come out to one of my trivia nights. Permani Brothers in Camp Hill on Tuesdays, Sierra Madre in Camp Hill on Wednesdays and Grill 22 in Harrisburg on Thursdays. All shows start from 7 to 9. Come beat Matt Trace. If you beat Matt Trace at trivia, I will uh, buy you a drink. There you go. Make sure you check out our uh, website, bwsports1.com. Check out our blog. Uh, check out all of our other our, our partners, our sponsors, our other shows. We got the Dukes of Football back. We The NBA Finals just ended. We got wrestling with Steven. We got uh, Quantum. Oh, man. I'm drawing a blank. Quantum Inspirations with Monica. We got the Combat Zone. And then on Tuesdays, I'll be back with Checkers and Wreckers with Tommy Boy. Uh, so check us out there from all of us here at BW Sports 1. Rob, thank you. Happy Fowler's Day, everybody. And we will see you all next time.